Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Well, the world is moving in fast forward. We have more changes in one of our days than in decades of our grandparents' lives. And in many ways, that's a good thing. Our standard of life is better. We're more connected than ever. But in other ways, we're seeing great declines in mental health. We have wars and contention around the world. In these times of change, the thing that we need more than ever is leadership. Not mediocre leadership, not status quo leadership, not just good leadership, but great leadership. So what does that look like? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have joining us in the studio today, Lisa Gable. She's a keynote speaker, a writer, an author, former U.S. ambassador to Japan, which I have very strong feelings about, and a U.N. delegate. Uh, her book is called Turnaround, How to Change Course When Things Are Going South, and we've seen a lot of things go south of late. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, so let's get into this whole idea of leadership. We, we see lots of bad examples of leadership, whether that's in government and politics, whether it's in business or community. Uh, but let's get to the essence of it. Uh, in your perspective, from all that you've done internationally with large corporations, with NGOs, with governments, what's the essence of great leadership? I believe that great leaders recognize that they are temporary stewards. It happened before they were there. The organization, if they do a good job, will continue after they leave. And so every decision they make has to be based on what is best for the organization, not based on what is best for me personally. Oh, I love that. We uh, we often reference uh, George Washington and that really that ultimate understanding of this is seasonal work. Uh, everybody is replaceable. Uh, and the moment you make yourself irreplaceable, your leadership quality starts to go down. Absolutely. And we see that in the Bible, right? You see many, many instances where you had a great leader, he was doing great, David was there, and then, oops, we have a, a moment of hubris and yeah. uh, utter disregard for the purpose of the job, and you lose traction. Yeah, you absolutely do. And the moment you think you are irreplaceable, uh, that's, that is just the beginning of the end uh, for great leadership, especially in times of great challenge and change. Uh, and again, you've navigated that on world stage uh, with international organizations. Uh, when we're in that moment uh, where things are going south, so to speak, what's the first thing that a great leader is going to do? Uh, we always try to think of the, the big save uh, but really, there's a lot of things that should happen before you have to get to that point. Well, part of it is prioritization. And one of the things I learned when I worked at Intel Corporation is that you really need to focus on job one. What's the number one thing we have to do in order to survive and thrive? 
And we saw Churchill was very effective at doing that. Great leaders are very effective at reminding people that, yes, we used to do all of these things, but in a moment of crisis, what is the thing that we need to focus on as a nation, as a people, as democracies, in order to ensure that we will continue to be able to live in the freedoms that we have? Yeah, focus always precedes success, uh, especially in those those difficult moments. And uh, I want to go to our Japanese connection uh, for a moment, because I think the most important lesson I learned uh, in Japan was from a, a 94-year-old man uh, who, after a very long discussion about principles and, and how we're going to solve all the world's problems, uh, gave me this great counsel. He said, Zo toyu no wa kamude wa nai kero, mushi toyu no wa kamude aro. Uh, and that is the ultimate uh, in, uh, in principle. It's elephants don't bite, but fleas do. Big things take care of themselves. It's the little things. And uh, you've seen that. They give us a, uh, some perspective in terms of those little things that often can turn the big things around. Well, one of the things I talk about in my book is that people lose sight of the bigger vision. And so mm. they start tweaking around the edges, right? They think if we make this little tactical move here and we make this little tactical move there, that everything's going to reset itself. And the reality is that doesn't work because yeah. as you pointed out, it's the small things that kill us. Yeah. And it is one reason I'm into prioritizing, ranking and rating, making a decision as to what's really important and stop focusing on the little things. One of the things I talked about today during my remarks is a lesson I learned from my dad. Don't treat everything in life like a battle. Mm. It's really, the fight's not worth it and everything's not that important. Keep your powder dry and wait for the big moments and that's where you deploy all your assets. Yeah, so important uh, to, to get that kind of laser focus in there on what does matter. We, get, we often get caught in the motion versus the forward movement uh, components to all of that. Uh, I want to bring in an international component because I, I think part of that leadership during challenging times, uh, we look at uh, pres- what President Zelensky has done uh, and the work he did before yeah. Russia invaded to create this real diverse nationalism that validated every ethnic group, every language, every religious entity. What is it about creating that kind of culture and inclusion that helps you in those challenging times? Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, one of the things we've seen with the Ukrainian community is civil society and the strength of civil society. And I know I saw some statistics in advance saying that it had started to lose its strength, but something they did was built into their DNA. Because at the moment those bombs started falling, at the moment that the Russians began invading, it was the core locality that kept itself together. And you saw that with Uh, individuals who were going and fighting, individuals taking care of their dogs and cats, which was always the most amazing pictures. But you saw people from 
a wide variety of backgrounds, religious persuasions coming together. And as a community, they had something. And civil society really did perform uh, getting kids in school, whether it was down in a bunker or going back to school. So I think that's one thing that the Ukrainians did an excellent job of of cultivating in their society. Yeah, that civil society is, is such a vital component to all of that. And, and it really brings this emphasis, I think, of its its community and culture that lead. The politicians usually tend to follow. The ambassadors are different, completely different, because they, they have noble causes to, to get oh, done. Yeah. Uh, but talk about that in, in terms of uh, where the leadership actually comes from. I think many times we're looking in all the wrong places for the leadership to come. It is. One of the things I talk about in my speeches is that every single one of us has the ability to pick up the mantle of leadership. Mm. And you never saw that more than on flight number 93, where it was a group of citizens who were on that airplane that made the decision to bring down the plane. And when you look at great catastrophes that have happened, it's not the governments. It takes a long time. Even with Ukraine, it took a long time for international NGOs to move product in. I worked with a team of people that were a group of pastors that came together in 2014, and they have something called the 10 Men Project. And they literally were passing resources from man to man to man to get them to the people who needed them, to get them to the families, to ensure that children and women were uh, able to exit the country. Ultimately, when the world exploded, it wasn't the big NGOs. It was the 10 Men Project and that group yeah. of pastors. Oh, I love that. And uh, it, it something you said there just struck me so much, Lisa, that it's the, it's the ability to lead from any point on the compass, that there really are no small parts or players. Uh, how do you develop that, whether it's in an organization or a community or an NGO? I think we have to make sure that our children are raised to understand that they do have that capacity. They do have the capacity to make a difference and the need to be intentional about the difference that they make. One element, you mentioned it earlier, is inclusiveness. When we link arms with other people to run up mountains, that's diversity. That's inclusiveness. That's collaboration. And that's what we need to teach our kids. We've tried to get them to separate and look at things from a social standpoint that isn't realistic. Instead, getting them to play Red Rover and uh, link those arms is where we need them to be. Yeah, linking and locking arms is something we come back to regularly on on this program. Uh, I want to ask you, as we kind of come down the home stretch here, what's the element of leadership that we're not talking about that we should be talking about today? We frame leadership in whatever is politically expedient. Mm. And as we learned with Zelensky as a good example, was he the best president of the country during time of peace? From what I understand, he wasn't necessarily the best from a fiduciary or governance perspective. But God has a plan, and the rest of us don't know what it is. And so was he the right person when the country was invaded? And he's done a fabulous job taking his core competency, which is communications, the Mm -hmm. same thing Ronald Reagan did, and using it to rally the world. And so don't underplay and think that you don't have something because it's not what people told you you had to have. Realize that there is something within each and every one of us where we can actually be leaders and we can actually help make change if we're committed to doing so. Yeah. Fantastic. I'd keep you here all afternoon, but I know you have a very booked schedule. Lisa Gable, keynote speaker, writer, former U.S. ambassador to Japan, U.N. delegate. Uh, Her book is called Turnaround, How to Change Course When Things Are Going South. Uh, We appreciate you getting us on a northern track here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely to be here. All right. Uh, We'll go ahead and step aside. Quick commercial break. We'll come back with more Inside Sources coming up next. Stay with us. With 
Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.